At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. morning. There you go. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Glad you made it here safely to First Christian Church. Hello to all those in Bowie City Church as well. Hello to everybody online that's watching via YouTube or Facebook. Uh, we're glad you're here. We're into a new month already. It's August, and we are halfway through the year. Uh, we are still praying for those who are suffering from the pandemic. We want it just to go away in Jesus' name, um, but we are already prepared if we have to uh, go back and add mandates to the church or any public public uh, venue that we want to participate in. So keep your eyes and ears posted for that as well as we continue on to move together as two churches meet in one location to worship God in spirit and truth. So I'm glad to see all the smiling faces this morning. If you feel you need to wear a mask or be socially distanced, please do so as you see fit. And those online, uh, when you feel comfortable or can come to church, we would love to see you. Uh, to be part of this. This morning, we're starting a new series entitled Bless Our Home or Bless This Home. So hopefully you are looking to be blessed and want to get blessed, want your household and your home to be blessed. We'll be talking about that through the month of October uh, and really touching base on the family uh, as well. We're going to have communion while we are uh, worshiping this morning. And so if you would take, want to partake in communion, uh, the communion elements, if you did not receive one, if you walked in this morning, uh, just raise your hand and one will be brought to you. There's also some here at the front table as well uh, when we were doing that in the middle of communion. But God is good, and we're going to worship him. I know there's a lot of families on vacation this week. We ask that they will be, we pray that they will be safe and they will return to us safely as well. Um, but we're going to worship the Lord. So I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to turn up the worship team. We have some new voices and switching up some instruments. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited for the new voices, and uh, they're going to do great. And hopefully this is not a one-shot deal. Hopefully they will actually come in and join in with what we're doing in worship. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to lead us in worship. Uh, so let's pray. God, we thank you for the great God you are, how much you love us, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your patience with us, Lord. And, Lord, we confess 
that we've fallen short of your glory. We confess that we have not loved you and loved others and loved ourselves the way you've called us to. But God, at the same time, we confess Jesus is Lord. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us to make us righteous in his sight, in your sight, Lord. Jesus, thank you for choosing the cross, living the perfect life, having the perfect death and the perfect resurrection and interceding on our behalf. Holy Spirit, thank you for leading and guiding us. We ask you to continue to fill us. Let us be overflowing with your words, with your actions, with your hands, and your thoughts. As we love. Lord, we ask for those who are coming here, arrive here safely. Keep those away, all not to be, Lord. But Lord, this morning, let you be glorified. Let you be honored in the worship that's sung, in the thoughts that are given, the conviction that's done within our hearts, and the tithes and offerings that's given as well. Let it be glory for you, glory and honor. We thank you, Lord, for meeting us here. I ask you to continue to do so. Yes, all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you're capable and willing, you can stand with us as we worship.
God, we do come to your altar. Thank you that we're able to, because of what Jesus did over 2,000 years ago, dying on a cross. We would take this time to reflect on that. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. On a night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he took a cup wine and told his disciples, this is my body, which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. He broke that bread. He passed it around his disciples and they ate this. And ate the bread and did not understand fully what he meant. And he took the cup of wine and they passed it around. He says, drink this in the remembrance of me. Jesus was projecting what was to happen, what was to come. His body being broken for us, his blood being shed on Calvary, on Golgotha, for our sins. While we were yet still sinning, while we sinned yesterday, and if we sin today, and the future sins, he still died for us. So Jesus, we say thank you. We partake in communion now in remembrance of what Jesus did. Jesus, thank you for choosing the cross. Jesus, thank you for not giving in to temptation. Jesus, thank you, even though you were 100% man, you pursued and gave your life to sacrifice yourself to be the covering for our sins. Jesus, thank you for that. And so as we consume this wafer, consume this juice, we do it in remembrance of what Jesus did. consume your elements and reflect on what Jesus did for us. In his name, amen, amen.
I'm sick and tired of living in this small house. You need to make more money so we can get a decent place to live. I'll sneak out and meet you around midnight. My parents are clueless, and they'll never know. As long as you live under this roof, you'll do what I say. I don't care what you say. You can't stop me from going to the party. I saw you checking her out. I was just looking at the brand of her jeans. I thought they might look good on you. All right. Who's going to pray this time? Me. Dear Jesus, thank you for all the ways you blessed our family. I'm glad you are here. My name is Dion Bolding, lead pastor here, and I'm glad you are with us this morning. And we are in a new series entitled Bless This Home. Bless This Home. And uh, in this, we're going to talk about what it means to have a blessed home, to have a blessed family, and as well, talk about elements of what we're going to do as a church to help do that, because everybody, I believe, wants that in their house and home. And so we're going to preach this series and uh, hopefully it, it goes well. We have kids going on downstairs, children's ministry, downstairs Sunday school, which is great, uh, which is part of what we want to do as a church to provide uh, partnership with families, with young kids and then older kids. And then real, like, you're like, I'm still a kid. You too. How are we going to help you be able to uh, be a part of a blessed home? So we're going to be in this series. Buckle up. I hope it's a good one. I hope you found it challenging and encouraging as well. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Ask everyone a question online as well. And I want everybody to participate, okay? I need 100% participation. It's an easy, easy question to answer. All right, the question is, how many of you want your homes and families to be blessed? Raise your hand. Look at that. Yes, yes, everybody wants that. Great. All right, I need the same participation for the next one, even online. I need you to thumbs up or me or yes or anything like that. Okay, so the next question is, 100% participation, how many of you want your homes and families to be cursed. Good job. You guys passed. You guys passed. None of us want any cursings on our family. We all want blessings bestowed upon our families and our homes. But it gets challenging. Some of us may feel like in the past or currently, or you feel like in the future, that you're not walking in the blessing, or you feel like your family is missing some sort of blessing. Your household is not in that. Maybe there's some sense of heavy struggle. Maybe you've gone through some struggle because in your family, around your family, or you're in the middle of one, or you feel one coming, looming. That may feel like, ah, I don't feel like we're moving and walking in the blessing as a family. Maybe it's, it's a struggle because there's a blended family. Maybe you're coming together with, with, with a person or with a family, a husband's wife that has brought in other children or other elements. Maybe there's an outside element that is affecting your family, and you're like, I just don't feel like we are actually like being, moving, and blessing. Or maybe you feel like it's heavy, it's hard, because you are or have been, or you work or associate with single moms, and it's just a heavy, like, man, this is just not easy, and I don't feel like we are walking or moving in the blessing I feel like God has for us. It's a struggle. We want to be blessed, and we want to move in blessed, and know we're blessed, and keep our high, heads high and chest up and outright and saying we walk and move as a blessed family, but then sometimes there's elements that come along, and you're like, what's going on? What's happening? We want to be able to walk around, go to the school, go to the coaches, go to your employers, some see one of your coworkers, your husband or wife's coworkers, or your children's coworkers or teammates, and you want to hear them say great things about 
you or your family, where it's like, oh, I was talking to your, your wife about you, and you're like, oh, what did you say? Or, hey, I ran into your parents, and I was like, what did you tell my parents? Or, I saw one of your teammates, you're like, oh, no, what did you say to one of my teammates? We, we want all the good things to be said when we interact with people who know us. We want to say, are you talking blessings? Are you saying great things? Or, is, what, what's, I want to be blessed. I want our family to be blessed. I want to walk in that. So that's what we're going to talk about. God, bless our home. God, that is our cry as a church and as families, my own individual families, bless our home. And so in that, in this series, as we talk about that, we're going to look at a particular passage. Now, we talked about the Sermon on the, we did the Sermon on the Mount series back in, in 2020, the fall of 20, uh, 2020. So we're going to touch back on that, but we're going to use it as a springboard for this series. And in that, that means that we're going to use the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. You can turn your Bibles in there if you want to, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, but we're going to look at the Beatitudes as it comes to blessing our homes. And there's four in particular that we're going to touch base on when we're saying, God, I want to use this lens, use the Beatitudes as a way to bless our homes, to bless our family, understand how to do it for ourselves. Those who are these ways, these characteristics, they are blessed. But God, can we take these characteristics and apply them to our family elements, to our home. In the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, there are eight characteristics to those who are blessed. There are eight of them. I'm not going through all eight. I encourage you to read the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. They're right there in the first uh, few verses there. But we're going to talk about four in particular. The next three that we're going to talk about is pure in heart, peacemaker, and persecuted. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are those who are peacemakers, and blessed are those who are persecuted. We're going to talk about those and the elements of family. Bless the pure heart of the family. Bless the peacemakers, the family that's peacemakers. Bless the family that is persecuted. So we're going to talk about that through the rest of August. But today, we're going to talk about one in particular. Matthew 5 and 6. Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 6 says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So here's the question. What is our role? What is our role as a family? If we're going to apply this, Matthew chapter 5, and these four Beatitudes out of the eight, these four characteristics, what is our role? Our role is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is what we are to do. That is, we want to be in, what does righteousness mean? It's not going to be in the stream, but it's to be in right standing before God. Right stand, even if that means right standing before God doesn't make you in right standing before man, that's okay. I want to be in right standing with God. Righteous, pursue to be in right standing with God. To not just pursue it, but to hunger for it, to thirst for it, to long for it, to need it. Like, I need to be in right standing with God. You'll be blessed. Blessed are those who do that. Because if you do that, what does God do? The verse tells you, if you do this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Filled. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, if your family hungers and thirsts for righteousness, God will do the filling. God will do his part. We have to say, yes, we're followers of Jesus Christ, and we, we believe and accept what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we are, make him Lord of our lives. God, great. 
Hunger and thirst for righteousness, and watch what I do to your families. God does the filling. It says this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We're going to talk about the, what do we want to be filled with? What is God going to fill us with? Paul says this in Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Such And against such things there is no law. These are the things that you want to be filled with. Now, you may have had a different thing if I pursue God, where our family pursues God and, uh, and hunger and thirst after him and righteousness. He will fill us with money. He will fill us with good health. He will fill us with, like, patience. Like, all these, those not the worldly things God says I will fill you with, Jesus says he'll fill you with. He will fill you with these spiritual fruits, faithfulness, self-control, patience, goodness, gentleness, joy, kindness, peace, love. Imagine a family that is full of the fruits of the Spirit. They're going to be on the screen. Uh, Faithfulness, self-control, patience, goodness, gentleness, joy, kindness, love, and peace. Those words that are on the screen, watching online, or here in the church, any of those words that jump out to you, which one you say, God, I need more of that in my family. God, I need more faithfulness in my family. God, I need to see my family have more self-control. God, I I need for us to have just more patience. God, I just want us to be filled with the goodness of who you are in our family. God, we are a very sharp family around each other. God, we need to be filled with your gentleness. God, we we struggle with being a joyous family because of the circumstances around us. God, God, we're not... The, the kindest family to each other, from the husband to the wife to the kids to each other, to the kids back to the parents, and the parents back. God, can you fill us with your kindness? God, can you fill us with some peace? There's just chaos going on around us and within us. Would you just fill us with your peace? And God, would you fill us with that 1 Corinthians 13 kind of love that Jesus says, if you pursue, if you thirst and hunger for righteousness, you will be blessed, and the blessing that will come where God will fill you with these things. And that's the blessing that we all say we want. We can talk about the money and, and, and security and talk about having, being in right standing with man and, and all those things, but th- those are great. But those things don't last and those things don't actually make you full. But the spiritual gifts, the, spiritual, the fruits of the spiritual fill you. That's what we long for. So how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? And where are we in the standing of that? So here's a, here's a question that I think which will make some parents nervous or make, it makes me a little nervous. It's like, if you ask this question to the elements of your family, to you the person or anybody in your family, if you ask this question or your kids or your spouse, what does our family spend the most time doing? What would they say? You sat down and asked the question, hey, for our family, what do we spend the most time doing? And take out sleeping, because that's already a given. We sleep a lot. But take sleeping out. What is the most time we spend as a family doing? Oh, the next question, what's, what do we spend the most energy on as a family? What would they say? What would your spouse say? What would your children say? What would you say? Even if they're outside, your children are gone, or they're in, still in your home, what would they say? Be careful what you ask kids, because they probably tell you something. You're like, oh, we must be missing the boat, because that's not what we want to be known or what we would spend our energy on 
But they might say things like, oh, we, we enjoy, we spend our time and effort and energy in being comfortable. Like, we really, I can see it and feel like mom and dad do, you guys want us to be comfortable. You, we want to, we have fun. Like, we have a lot of fun. We spend a lot of time and energy on fun or on, on imagining. Like, mom and dad, you really, you push us to be imaginative and to use the gifts and abilities we have to, and imagine what we can do with them. Or to, to what's going on popular, to be involved with what's popular in the culture right now and to understand it and to be and interact with it. Or we, we're, we're a family of wins. We're a winning family. Like, we're talking about winning and losing is not, that's a, that's a curse word in our family. We, we, we're a winning family. Or working through, like, we, we, we work a lot. Mom and dad works a lot, and they have us work a lot. Maybe it's sport. Maybe it's schooling. Maybe it is just being the best you can be, the best family. Maybe it's family of friends. And none of those things in itself are horrible. But if they miss in saying, we spend a lot of time loving God. We spend some time worshiping. We spend time and effort and energy in serving people. We spend time and effort and energy in praying. We spend time and effort and energy in giving back. If those are missing from when you ask or it resonates with you, then you can say, I must not be really hungering and searching for righteousness like we think we are. Now, kids can say whatever, and you're like, they can miss it. You can, we can be right in front of their face, and they're like, done it every day, and they just don't think of it. Like, for example, I asked my son last night, my wife's like, can you give me a soda? It's in the laundry room. I need the box of sodas. He's like, where? Where is it? She's like, bro, it's right at your feet. Like, literally, you're standing on top of him. He's like, you can miss it. You can totally miss it. You can be doing everything right and give all the direction, and then you're like, ah, still can miss it. So it doesn't mean that the kids don't say that. You're like, we fail. We're a cursed family. No, it does not mean that. But that's the goal. That's, the, that's the, what the energy you want to come from your family is that we do spend time in worship. We do spend time reading. We do spend time praying. We do have an element of who God is in our lives individually as a family. But if they fail to do that, there might be a reason for us to be able to hunger and thirst for righteousness. It might require us to change our family's appetite and craving. Because hunger and thirst, they are, they are elements that are, are natural to every human being. We all get hungry. We're all thirsty. Some of you are hungry or thirsty right now. Like, guarantee, I know, I can see, like, I'm, when is this dude done? Because I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Is the water fountain going downstairs? Because I'm a little thirsty. Like, right now, you have that, I, I, I hunger, I thirst. But there's a, what do you hunger and thirst for is huge. And it might take us changing what our family hungers and thirsts for what they crave for. I mean, there's times where your family's like my family, where they hunger for pizza. Like, they just like, I want pizza. I, I, I want pizza. I don't want what you're cooking, Mom. You're the best chef ever. Like, Chef Bardi has nothing on you, but I want some pizza. And they may, every week, can we have pizza? It may be McDonald's or Chick-fil-A or Chipotle or whatever, but they have this craving for pizza. And if you have always gave your family what they crave for, let's say it was pizza, they would be unhealthy. Not just like, oh, they have put on weight, but unhealthy in a lot of ways because it does not have all the nutritional value that you need if you just gave your family everything they crave. And you say, why do they keep craving pizza? And you do a deep dive study, why do they crave pizza? And X, Y, and Z, and we're like, oh, that's not good. We need to crave vegetables. And kids are like, uh, no, don't crave vegetables like that is. Like, you have to train a child to like vegetables. You have to tell them, even if you don't like it, if you don't crave it, you still need it. It's not bad to have those cravings of other food, but you need these other substances in your life to have a healthy life. 
Spiritually, where do you need to change and turn your family to crave God and to crave his word and to crave to be in his righteousness and to hunger for it? How do you change the tide in that? Because you may say, we are missed the boat on that. My family craves the things of this world, and not the things of God. Well, we want to help with that. We want to help with that. The question is, what makes it difficult? What makes it difficult in your own personal life, in your family's life, to crave and, th- and hunger and thirst for righteousness? What makes it difficult? Well, I can tell you what doesn't work. I can tell you what doesn't work. One of the things that doesn't work for your family, one of the things that won't lead your family to hunger and thirst for righteousness is legalistic Christianity. Legalistic Christianity. What do you mean by that? That you just operate by a list of rules, and your rules are more so what you don't do rather than the rules that you do. Things that you do, is, it's, it's the things like we, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't curse, you don't chew, you don't date anybody that do. Like that, like that's the, like the, that's the rule, that's the, like we harp on these rules, like this legalistic is all by the rules. I do know this, and you've probably heard it before, but relationship, rules without relationships lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And you could probably ask any teacher in there. You have any kids, you worked with kids, but you have these, get these kids have to, you know, get in line. You know, September's coming, and these kids got to follow these rules. But if you don't have a relationship with the kid, they just rebel against the rules. They're like, I don't care about your rules. You don't care about me. When there's relationship is suffering at home, rules are, to be, are going to be broken. Rules don't mean much. And if your Christianity towards your family is about a list of rules, it's easy to see why rebellion will happen. But it's not about the list of rules. It's not about what we don't do. It's about who did it for us. Is we can't keep any laws or any rules of ourselves anyway. Ephesians 2 and 8 and 9 says this, and this is in the, in the English, uh, English version. It says, but for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not that by anything you have done or anything you've done on your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of work, so that no one can boast, that no one may boast. There's nothing that we can do. So a list of rules doesn't make you better. Following a list of rules and having this list of rules for your family, thinking that this will lead you to righteousness, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Paul's saying it doesn't. He says the same thing in Galatians 2, 21. He says, do not, I do not nullify the, the grace of God, for it, if righteousness were through the law, then Jesus died for no purpose. A legalistic approach to your family means there's lack of grace. And we all need grace. We need grace to abound in all our lives. But when we operate in a legalistic point of view of Christianity with your family, rebellion seems to happen. And you seem that there's, there's not this longing and thirsting and hungering for this righteousness. Therefore, we're not being filled with the fruits of the Spirit. That's something that doesn't work, is a legalistic approach to your following of Jesus Christ. Not only does that not work, legalistic, legalism inside your Christianity, inside your family and following Jesus Christ, but the next one is a lukewarm Christianity. A lukewarm Christianity. 
that really defines, a mean is believe God, but not living for God. See, the Bible says this startling when it comes to this lukewarm faith, to this lukewarm Christianity. See, the Bible tells us that God detests lukewarm faith and a lukewarm Christianity. Jesus himself warns us in Revelation 3, 16, says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That is a very vivid image. We don't want to be, he says, if you are a lukewarm family, if you're calling yourself a family that follows after me and you says you are, you are pursuing righteousness, but you're lukewarm about it, you're, you're not hot or cold, you're not all in or all out, you're in the middle, he says, I don't have time for that. But there's grace in the middle of the statement. You're like, Dion, I look at those words up there, and I don't see much grace. The grace is I'm about to. Is I'm about, I'm getting ready to. I, 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 I'm, I'm about, but there's time to change. All of us families, we can move from being lukewarm to being on fire for Jesus. We can move from being cold about who Christ is to on fire with Jesus, where something that's going to satisfy Jesus. It's like, I understand what hot or cold, but this lukewarm stuff has, does no good for me, does no good for you, does no good for your family. That will not work. I encourage you to take a stand and say, we're going to be on fire for God in every way we can. We are not going to be a lukewarm family. We're going to be on fire. We're not going to be a legalistic family. We're going to be a family led by grace. And if you view those two things and move in that, you will see that you are start to hunger and thirst to be in right standing with God. That means little things like praying with your family. It was doing little things like sharing Bible verses with your family. Doing things like you turn off a program or a TV or a song that comes on and says, no, we're, that does not make me hot for God. That makes me lukewarm. Maybe it's where you invest your time serving and saying, we're not going to be a lukewarm family. We're going to be a family on fire for God. We're going to strive for that. Why is that important? Jesus Christ himself did not leave the glory of heaven, and willingly shed his, his, his deityness of everything that he is, of being 100% God, didn't leave all that and die on our cross for us to be lukewarm. He loves us so much, he asks, how could you remain indifferent as a family and as a person? Everything I've done, my kindness beckons you, beckons your family to say, now we're all in. We strive for that. So we know those things don't work, being legalistic and being lukewarm as a family. But what does work? What does work? Listen to this statement. We are not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home. See, there's a difference between being a Christian family and a Christ-centered home. And that is where we say, I want to move from being, saying I'm a Christian family. We believe. We Yes, we Bible, yes, we're a Christian family. No, we want to be a Christ-centered home. See, it's not the, a Christian family really means that God is a part of your family. But a Christ-centered home is no, Christ Jesus God is the center of our family. And everything comes from the center out. We won't want God to just be a part. We want him to be in the middle and to be in the mix and be in part of everything, branching out in every aspect of our family. We want to be Christ-centered. 
I tell this to the athletes when, we, when, when I meet with them and they talk about what they want to aspire and do, and then the actions don't meet up with what they say. It would be as if you were pick your favorite sport team, whatever it may be, growing up, past, present, whatever it be, pick your favorite sport team, and you wear all the gear, and you, you got posters in your wall, you got the, the bumper sticker and you get the, on your car, you got the, the key tag on your, on, your, on your keys. Like, you present like you are about that team. When I start asking you questions, I say, what's your favorite player? Or what was the score of the game last night? Or when was the last time they won a championship? Or who was your favorite player? Or when did they, or where did they play? And when's the last time I asked you details and you just go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm like, well, I thought you were, I thought you were, I thought you were a fan of that team. I thought you followed that team. Oh, I do. But you don't know no details about the team? You don't know no, nothing? You don't even know who your favorite player is? No, nah, I mean, I like the colors. Like, you know, everybody else is wearing it. It's, same thing happens with us as a Christian. You can say you're a Christian family, but if I start asking you, hey, what, what is the last thing God said? What are you praying about? What are you memorizing in Scripture? Like, what is God calling you to give your money to? What are you investing your family time into? And you say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, oh, you're... You, you are just a Christian family. Church, let us move to being a Christ-centered home. And it makes your decisions easier. You may not like it, but it makes it easier. If Christ is the, the center of our home, I get to take everything and turn it towards Christ and say, is this going to represent us as being a follower of Jesus Christ? And lead this way with our children. They don't like it all the time, and I don't like it all the time. But when there's a, a video game that wants to be played and say, I want to play this video game, great. Does this represent Christ as the center of our family? No? Guess we can't play that game. <clears throat> like, come on, Dad, what are you doing? We, can, uh, we want to watch this movie. Okay, does this? We want, I want to listen to this song. I want to spend money here. I want to spend time with this person. I want to... We, Christ is not part of our family. He is the middle of our family. Let us move Christ to the center of that. If you call yourself a duck, if you don't quack, you don't lay eggs. You don't walk with other ducks. Are you a duck? Probably not. You might be a platypus. Look like a duck. This is what God's word says in, in Psalms 63.1. I love this verse in Psalm 63. It says this. You, is David, you, God, are my God. I earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I'm, you are my God. You, I earnestly seek you. Like, I seek you with everything I have. God, I thirst for you. I long for you. My whole being longs to be with you when I find myself in this dry and parched land where there is no water, I can find no hope, I can find no other thing to actually make me satisfied. I long for you. What if we took this verse and we edited it towards the family and we would say, you, God, are our God. Earnestly, we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. That's the goal. That should be the goal for every family. It's one thing for me to say I, but we want to say our and we. To hunger and thirst for righteousness. We don't want it to be you, high score on the video game, are our God. 
We don't want to be you, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Oh, my God. We don't want it to be you, car. Oh, my. We don't want it to be you, job, you, career, you, schooling, you, grades, you, sport, you, popularity, you, isolation by myself. Oh, my God. You, I, myself, and my own God. We want God who is the source to all our resources, who is the sustainer of life, who makes life go, who protects us and leads us and guides us to be the thing that we find all our hope and all our rest and everything we move in to be the thing that we pursue with everything we have and all our heart, mind, soul, body, and strength with all our resources, our time, effort, and energy. You, God, is the thing that we long for. We find no hope out of anything else. Church wants you to help your family see God as a loving, approachable, and involved God. You yourself. You're like, you don't know my, that's good stuff. You don't know my family. You don't know. You haven't been to my household. You don't know my kids. You don't know my spouse. You don't know what we're going through. But you can own you. And you, yourself, you can help your family see God as a loving God. You yourself can help your family see that God is an approachable God. You yourself can help your family see that God wants to be all involved in your story. Regardless of what's going on, you can control you. You can say, I will be a follower of Jesus Christ to the death of me, and I will pursue God, and I won't always get it right, but I will not just fall down and be down. I will get up and continue to walk forward towards God. Follow me as I follow Christ, husband, Wife, ex-husband, ex-wife, son, daughter, estranged, whoever it may be, I will be the champion if it's up to me to show God, to show my family what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. and Watch him fill us with the fruits of the Spirit. You can be the change agent in your family. What advice, this is a question, this is a good question. What advice would you give a family to help be a Christ-centered family? Think, just take them, what advice would you give them? In a, hey, your neighbor, coworker, one of your children's teammates, whatever it may be, and they say, hey, we, 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 we know you're believers in Jesus, and we, we, we're coming to understand that's where we want to be and go. What advice would you give my family to help be a Christ-centered family? You may go, uh, I'll call the pastor. Like, well, you're, this is a, I'm, doo -doo, Dion, uh, tell, talk to them. No, no, no. What advice would you give? What advice you would give, and you say to them, you give whatever advice, you ask this question now, am I doing that same thing? Is my family doing that? This statement, uh, be careful what you ask kids. I, this question was posed, I was, as we focus on the family, uh, you know, shout out to uh, James Dobson, focus on the, on the family, found that question there, and I was like, that's a great question. So they had some excerpts of what kids would say from children to youth uh, to older adults, and this is one I found I thought was great. The question was asked, what advice would you give to a family to help be Christ-centered? And this is from a youth. A young lady says, you should create an environment where your kids want to have a discussion about God. So it's not something that they feel like they have to do, 
There's something that they want to do. I was like, whoa. That her encouragement to the family, I don't, it doesn't matter if you're a single person or you got a lot of kids in there, you still got little kids, it don't matter, your kids are gone, empty nesters, that you create an environment, that, that you create an environment where your kids, where your spouse, where whoever yourself says, I want to have discussions about God, not because I have to, because I want to. Like, did you desire for your children to come to you and say, Mom or dad, grandma, aunt, uncle, will you pray for me? Yes, I would love to pray for you. Even if they've been wayward, did you say, yes, I will pray for you? That you spend years involving God in everything you do. And it may seem like this is monotonous. It may seem like, oh my gosh, we, we keep doing this over and over. But you're saying God is in every, he's woven through our life. He's not a part of our life. He's the center of our life. Like even praying for ouchies. Y'all remember doing that? You remember doing that? You're just like, oh, God bless it in Jesus' name. And the kid would be like, amen. Be like, ah, oh, feels better. Like Jesus healed it. Like go and play. But those things are saying God's a part of this. He's a part of everything we do. We don't lose that element the older they get. Turn to God in prayer where we can. Here are three ways that you can create hunger for God that are not going to be on the screen. But you need to involve God in your daily life. Like involve God in your daily rhythm of life. Like involve God in your daily conversations with your children, with your spouse. Like it should be something that is natural. It shouldn't be, like, you don't want it to be like, okay, well, now i got to talk to them about God. Like, it shouldn't be like how you, like, the birds and the bees, like, you go like, oh, God, okay, woo, here we go. i got to talk to them about, it should, should be this natural thing of, isn't God good? What's the last time you read in your Bible? I would love to know. It's like, what's, you heard any good Christian songs lately? Hey, let's sing this song. Or just involved in your daily Christian life that may be hard to do in the beginning, but as you continue on, that will help you improve moving to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Beyond that, here's one that I know is in my house. It was in my house growing up, and it's to this day. Make church non-negotiable. He's like, Dion, don't get in my church business. Don't get in my family business. I'm not, I'm not in you. I'm just telling you this is what helped us. Like, church was non-negotiable. Like, don't even ask you, you can't go to church. I heard it, like, man, I heard this yesterday where this, this guy, this, this comedian, was talking about he couldn't stand going to church, but he's very thankful that his dad made it non-negotiable to go to his church. And he said, sometimes I would get, want to get out of church being sick. You ever been that way where you're like, I don't want to go to church today. So he's like, Dad, I, 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 I'm going to throw up, Dad. I feel like I'm going to throw up. He's like, oh, well, all right, uh, you still got to go to church. And I feel sick. He says, well, then throw up then. He's like, he's like, and then if you did throw up, he says, but don't you feel better? Let's go to church. Like, that's. Like, that was, like, their approach. Like, it was non-negotiable. Like, you had to, you're going to church. Like, that's what you do. You go to church. It's non-negotiable. Like, in my household when I was a kid, I had cousins come live with us at certain times for different reasons. And this was a thing. Look, we go to church. Like, you're going with us. If you're not going to go to church, you might want to go call another aunt or uncle to go hang and chill with. Like, you're going to church non-negotiable. And it may seem legalistic or something, but as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I remember my dad saying one time to my mom and dad saying to one of my, whoever was staying in our house at whatever time that was, 
Well, we go to church, so between this hour and this hour, the house is closed. Like, everybody got to leave. Like, like you, like, you got to get up out this house. You can't just sit in church when we are, the center home where we are at church. No, no. You might as well just come on with us. Like, because the house is closed between 9 and 11 on Sundays. Like, what are you going to do? Oh, come to church. It's just not, and the switch for them or the video game or their cell phone is a non-negotiable for them. Like, they're like, I need that. Okay, great. Come to church. That might help move the needle towards hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the last one is to show how seeking and serving God is fun. It's fun. Being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is a blast. It is fun. I've seen things I would have never seen. I've done things I would never have done. I've had the most fun that I didn't think I would be able to have. Because it's great being a part of the family of God. The, the jokes we have, the... the, the the laughter we have, though life can get hard, it will come at you all different ways. I've had the most fun doing the most Christian things than I did doing the things of the world. That is just the truth. Even some of the things are, are silly. It's a lot of fun serving and seeking God. That could be just doing little prayers, little popcorn prayers. It is having devotion time or, or singing songs or whatever it may be. How can you show your family? Ah, being a part of God's family is fun. It's good. So the last question is this. How will the church help you and the family hunger and thirst for righteousness? How can we as a church help you, you at home, you here, who is in the, in the building, if you watch this, how can we help? Well, there is this, there's this philosophy, there's this strategy that we as a church want to use and it's called Think Orange. Everybody say Think Orange. You guys failed. Everybody say Think Orange. Good job. Think Orange. You're like, okay, what does that mean, though? Well, orange itself, the color itself, I looked this, looked this up in orange in, in color theory, but the color orange is a combination of what two colors? Red and yellow. Orange is a combination of red and yellow. It's considered an energy, energetic color. Orange calls to mind feelings of excitement, enthusiasm, and warmth. Orange is often used in drawings to, to bring attention to. We often see orange in, in hunting vests or in, in caution because it brings attention to. We often see it in advertisement or as accent colors to bring a HGTV pop of color to the room. Like you add an orange element to bring something to it. Orange is energetic. This is why a lot of, lot of uniforms, mascots, sport teams, and branding marketing companies use touches of orange. See, the combination, what we say when we say think orange, what it means for us as a church is combining the influence of the home and the church to make a great impact. See, the church is the light of the world. The church is yellow, represents the light of the world. That's what the church is. The local church is the hope of the world. We, the church, is our responsibility to go and bring light into dark places. We are the representatives of the light, Christ. That is what the church is. But the home is red because it represents where the heart lives. The place where you should start to learn what love is, is home. Not anywhere else. Supposed to. Like, when you're born, you're supposed to go to a place supposed to. It does not happen. We understand that. But 
Love is where home is where you're supposed to find out what love is. But what happens when you bring the love of the family and the light of the world together, the, the, the yellow and the red, you will bring this thing called or an impactful, Christ-centered, loving family. That is what we long and strive to do. So that's the color there. The next slide shows it even more. The church, all yellow on itself. Family, all red on itself. But to actually link those two together purposefully, impactfully, not just happenstance, but we have a strategy and an idea how we want to do that, and philosophy how you want to do that. And not just little kids, not like the little snot-nosed guys that run around here a lot. Most of them are on vacation, and we love them. We can't wait for you to be back. Uh, rub your snot nose on my leg. Like, I love all the kids. But not just for the little guys. We're talking about all the way through, all the way up to you. Because your home, not just a home because you have kids in it. Your home is what you lay your head and make your home to be. How do we take that and the church bring it together? So we have a video that talks about the philosophy that we hold to and hold near and dear that actually helps us move forward to hunger and thirst for righteousness, help the church with that. So watch this video as we end the service. influential and impactful element in any person's life, especially a child, should be the parents and God. The most influential and impactful people or entities in their life is the parental element and God. And when the parents and the home are impacting the family with the love that God's called us to, and the child and the person is understanding who God is in their life, they become this orange agent. They take the light of the church and the love of the family wherever they go. And it takes a lot of work, hard work to get the family, the home element right. Amen. And you don't have to say amen, but I all you said it in your head. It takes a lot of work to get the love right in the home. And it takes a lot of work to get your relationship with God right. But the great thing we have is that God has done all the work for us. He is the light of the world. We just have to go and show it. And we have this, this book here that helps and guides us and the Holy Spirit that lives within us to encourage us how to love each other the way God has called us to love each other. Because we long for every person and every family element, regardless of how the makeup of it is, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be filled. 
May God fill you, church, with love. May God fill your family with joy. May God fill your family with peace and patience. May God fill your family with goodness. May God fill your family with faithfulness. May God fill your family with gentleness, with hope, with boldness, and with love. But it requires us individually and as a family unit to hunger and thirst for God. Let us not be Christian, just Christian families. So it says on the screen, let us be families that we are Christ-centered home. And let us be families that say we want to think as a church, think orange. How can we bring the church and the families together? I want to pray for us, and the worship team is going to lead us in a song of prayer. And if you want prayer for your family, you say, I want prayer for my family. You want prayer for your family. I'm going to make myself available. I'm going to go to the back of the room. I'm going to come over to here. If you want prayer for your family, I'll pray. If you want prayer for your family, you can make yourself available in the back. I'm for Elizabeth back there. Godfrey's back there. Oh, they're leaving. Don't go go, go Milford and Elizabeth. They're leaving. Uh, don't look at them. Don't look. But my parents are in the back uh, as well. Uh, but if you want prayer for your family, we're going to use this, this song and this opportunity to do so. Let's pray. God, we come before you saying, God, bless our homes. We want our homes to be blessed, fully blessed, and beyond the tangible things of this world, but the things that we don't, that are unspeakable, things that are untangible, things that fulfill us and make us full. And God, they're this, the fruits of your spirit. And we all pray, we all want those things, those words to be fully vibrant in our family homes. But God, we know there's areas in our households, in our homes, in our individual lives where we fall short of hungering and thirsting for righteousness, to be in right standing with you, God. God, we ask that the Holy Spirit will come and move in conviction and lead us and guide us to how we are going to love and thirst and hunger for your righteousness. Because God, we long to be filled. We do. Every household is represented here, whatever shape and manner that it exists as a household, we be filled with your spiritual fruits in our lives. We give this time to you. Minister to us with all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for that song. Thank you so much. Word of God, speak. We can fall down like rain in our lives. Amen. Amen. We do that in our family as well. We're going to take this opportunity to collect our tithes or uh, to give your tithes and offering. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to watch this video and we'll explain how you can give your tithes and offering. God, once again, we turn our hearts and minds to you. We give our families to you. We give all our families to you, God, in every aspect of it, how we pursue you as a family, Lord. And God, you, we want to give to you what you've given to us, give back to you in the way you've given to us, Lord, in tithes and offerings. Lord, I pray for the tithes and offerings that will be collected, Lord, to be honored and pleasing to you. That's all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn back to the screen. to give everybody an opportunity to be able to give the tithes and offerings this morning. Uh, there's several ways you can do that. We, we say often that you don't give to a church, you give through the church, and uh, this is an extension and opportunity for you to do that. If you are watching online or you want to be able to give digitally, uh, from because that's an easier way for you to do it, the way you like to do it, we have uh, two numbers that you can text to, and they will give you the instructions how to do that. Uh, if you consider First Christian your home church, you'd like to give through First Christian, you can text the number or text give to the number 301-970-3646. If you are calling uh, Bowie City Church, your, your church home, you want to give through Bowie City, you can text the word give to this number 301-970-4565, and you're able to give through those uh, two, two churches, and, and God has a lot that he's doing with um, the tithes and offering that comes in as well. You can go straight to the both church's websites uh, and give there. There's a give link at the top corner of the screen. You also can give in person if you're here. Uh, we are passing uh, the offering plates, and so if you would like to give, there's a plate here in front of the church and also at the rear of the church, and uh, you can leave your tithes and offerings there as well. Or you can old school snail mail it in the mail. Just give us like two weeks to get it uh, all processed if you want to give through a check that way. But know that when you give, it doesn't, you don't give to us. You don't give to me. You don't give to all of this. You give to what God is doing and the ministry he's doing. And so uh, I was able to meet with David, and he was gave me some uh, telling me ways that First Christians give to support missionaries and entities uh, beyond these walls and here in Prince George's County, which is awesome. And same thing for us as Bowie City Church. Well, we're able to give because you give. So we thank you for that, and that would be great. Uh, we give highlights and updates of what's going on with Hannah in Mexico as well as she's sending. She's doing great there and ministering to a lot to print, uh, teenage moms uh, with uh, God's calling us to, to love and minister to, to single moms and especially teenage moms. So she's doing well. She's healthy there. Great report that to become with that. Um, 
as you're at home and you're able to watch all this and hear everything, this is done by volunteers like Jason Johnson over here and Jonathan over here. We're grateful for that. But if you're in person here, I would like to just turn your eyes back there to the back table, see where Josh is sitting. Normally he's up here, right? Josh is usually, you're not calling Josh out. Usually he's up here playing or anything. Usually there's, but today there's nobody here. So we had to set that and kind of forget it and can't adjust on the fly uh, because every, those who do it on vacation, if you have any ability, you say, I can, I know how to push a button and I'm not tone deaf and I, like, I can, we want to teach you and train you how to do that. We need more volunteers to do these aspects uh, because everybody won't be able to do it every Sunday. And so uh, if you are able and capable and willing and you can take the pressure when somebody turns back and says, it's too loud in here, what are they doing? You know, all that, that happens sometimes. We would love to train you and teach you. It doesn't matter if you, how young or old you are. We would love to help you, have you help us have this service go. Be blessed, church. We continue our series of being um, blessing our home. And so come next week. We're also uh, we're going to have a baptism this, this August as well. The date will be August 15th. There's no slide, but we'll have more information. So if you're looking to be baptized here at, in the wonderful baptism that David got ready that Sunday, but we didn't use it, so we are going to use it, David. Uh, that's going to be August 15th, and so if you're interested in having baptisms, that will be that Sunday. Uh, but be blessed, and we'll see you guys next week. God bless.